Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Squash podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we're delighted to have on two-time U.S. national champion, current world number 68, Chris Hansen. Uh, we had a really good chat. We covered uh, several different topics, both uh, squash and non-squash related, but mostly squash related. Um, Chris is getting married in the very near future, so of course I had to bring that up. And he's also a New Yorker, so there's several... Uh, Several big sports, uh, pro sports teams uh, that are playing right now, including the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Mets, Yankees, the Giants. They just had their NFL draft, and I know he's a big sports fan, and we talked a bit about that. But uh, most importantly, we did talk about his squash career, which uh, began, of course, in New York, where he was under the the guidance of... uh, two Aussie legends, the first of which was Rodney Isles, one of my favorite players, uh, really loved watching him play, and then uh, currently under the tutelage of uh, Rodney Martin, another great player. So, you know, I had to ask him what it was, what it's been like working with those guys and how uh, their, their different approaches to, to coaching, and I know you're going to like uh, what we uh, talked about there. And uh, his current uh, playing career, uh, we go in depth on that and uh, sort of the ups and downs that he's had recently and the little purple patch that he had in 2018 where he won three tournaments in a row. And we also talk about um, the Pan Am Games, which is coming up now. I know uh, the U.S. Uh, still have that uh, the most recent uh, Canadian victory uh, in the last uh, Pan Am Games Canada won the team event there, and uh, the U.S. will be looking to uh, to get a bit of revenge. And judging by the current form on both the men's and women's side, uh, it looks like uh, they're ready to uh, exact that revenge. But, uh, you know, we, we did have Chris, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Nick Sackfee on the pod. Uh, Sam Cornett was on recently. And uh, they're they're uh, really looking forward to defending the title. So the border skirmish is set. I did ask Chris about that, and he's all fired up about the Pan Am Games as well. And uh, he has to go through uh, qualifying uh, to make the team. So uh, you know, uh, hopefully he uh, he gets on the team and gets the opportunity to uh, represent uh, the U.S. in that prestigious event. And uh, and we also talk a bit about um, his Tournament of Champions uh, run that he had uh, in 2019 where he almost uh, took out Omar Mossad in the second round. And he did uh, take out Campbell Grayson, uh, who was ranked uh, maybe 20 spots higher than him, which uh, just goes to show uh, the potential that Chris has. And uh, he's looking forward to... Uh, riding uh, uh, that wave uh, uh, after the Tournament of Champions and producing some more uh, excellent results in the in the events to come. So I know you're going to enjoy this podcast with Chris Hansen. Really enjoyed it myself. Uh, episode 83. A couple events coming up to, to end the uh, end the spring season for me. So I uh, can't can't really complain. The weather's starting to get nice here. So yeah, no doubt. Um, you're in New York uh, right now. Yeah, I'm up in Westchester, uh, Westchester County. So right on. I just Um, had uh, Richard Millman. He was on my I interviewed a few few, uh, episodes ago. So I think he was at one point in uh, Westchester. I think. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, I grew up, I grew up knowing Richard. Um, You know, I was, I was pretty much a town over from the club that uh, he was coaching at, and uh, yeah, we stayed, we've stayed uh, really good friends. I go down to uh, Chattanooga. 
for the last uh, last two years actually do uh, an exhibition at his club. So it's fun that, okay. that we've stayed in touch. And um, yeah, it seems like you know, we're still way, good friends. The way he approaches his his uh, his squash is that he's trying to spread uh, spread squash around the country. So he's in all of these obscure uh, squash, I guess, obscure for squash uh, destinations and trying to to grow the game, which is cool. No, it's very cool, and you can you can see that he's actually getting people pretty excited about the game who who never you know either played or knew knew that much about it, um, which is nice. I think I think we need uh, you know a lot more people who are new to the game getting excited about it. Um, you know, so it was fun. Absolutely. Well, uh, this is episode uh, eighty three of the In Squash podcast, and uh, and today I'm delighted to have on uh, current world number sixty eight, uh, six PSA titles uh, to his name, two time U.S. national champion, and uh, I believe uh, getting married, if not married now, getting married in the near future. Chris Hansen, my guest. Chris, <laughs> thanks a lot, man, for coming on. Jerry, thank you for having me on. This is uh, this is a pleasure um, and yeah, an honor. It's been, it's been, a, been a while in the making, actually. We talked about it a while ago, and then um, uh, finally uh, we got our act together and, and getting it done here. I know, I know. Apologize uh, for the delay on my end. I don't but, think it was um, your your fault. I think both my uh, just sort of. Um, I'm not sure what happened there, but the, we we did have a few uh, uh, time set, and then finally we got it done today. So. Well, Great. I'm, I'm glad we got it done and, and here now. So absolutely, yeah. So uh, um, yeah, you're in New York City in West, you, as you mentioned, uh, in Westchester, uh, warming up, uh, uh, getting ready for a few events coming up. So, what are those events uh, that you have uh, uh, coming up, Chris? Um, I am going to an Invitational this weekend in Madison, Wisconsin, um, okay. which will be. Uh, good fun, and that's kind of a warm up for um, the 30k uh, that's going on in Montreal um, oh, yeah. early May. Um, so I'm excited for that one. Seated top eight, um, and feeling, the Montreal, pretty good. The Quebec Open, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's at the um, MAA Club, and right. I've been there many times. And Yvonne is is a great guy and a good friend. So I'm I'm excited to get up there. And Montreal is one of my favorite cities. Um, so I have that and then, um, and then we have the U S uh, qualification tournament for the Pan Am games, um, towards the end of May, which I will be seated one for Todd is already on the chair, but yeah, you're seated one for the Pan Am, uh, qualification event. Uh, Todd is, I guess, uh, as, as a result of getting, uh, of winning the, the U S nationals gets through automatically, right? Yeah, it's actually the number one or the highest ranked U S player from the men's and women's is automatically on the team. Okay. So, um, even if I had won uh, nationals, I would still be playing in this qualification event. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So, well, so you and why you'll, you'll see Olivia must, there. Must be fairly close in the rankings. So, I mean, you've had, uh, we'll get into this later, but you've had, uh, I mean, Todd's had a very good, uh, last couple of years as well, but particularly this year, but you've had, um, some good squash, uh, under your belt recently as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I think uh, one of the things uh, we can we can go into. I'm trying to have more consistent results, and while I've had some some really good wins, um, especially this season and the season before, to to get my ranking moving in the right direction, I think to get to the next level. Um, and you've seen Todd do this very well. Um, you just have to be consistent um, in your tournament results. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. And also, uh, me being Canadian, and I, and I just had uh, Nick Sackfe uh, on the podcast a little while ago. Um, he uh, he's all pumped up for the border skirmish uh, potential one at the Pan Am Games. So uh, uh, that that should be interesting. Oh, definitely. I think uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm friends with all the Canadian boys, um, but I was I was certainly you know, uh, left wanting, uh, you know, at the 2015 Pan Am games, as I watched, uh, uh, team Canada win the gold. Yeah. They're um, still, they're know, still talking great. about that one. I'm sure they are great for them, but we're, we're out for, uh, for revenge. And, right. uh, I yeah. think it'll be a really fun, fun one. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. We'll get, we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, later on as well mm-hmm. as your 2018-2019 uh, season, which was quite, uh, it's been quite interesting when you look at the results. But uh, let, let's take a look back, if you don't mind. Now, you grew you grew up in New York City uh, or in around New York City, played your squash there, so you likely spent uh, a bit of time playing with uh, with Chris Gordon, who might be a few years older than you, and also Todd, uh, uh, who's not too far away from you there. Uh but uh, what was it like uh, for you growing up and playing, uh, learning the game in uh, in New York City? So I was actually I, I'm I'm out in Westchester County, which you okay. know, funnily enough, I'm only I'm only forty minutes outside of the city, but it's a completely different feel. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's very very rural out here where I grew up, and oh. uh, just in just just in terms of just the <laughs> the intensity level, it's like you know, it's uh, lots of green, lots of you know, lots of farms out here, but um, but yeah, no, I, I, I just grew up, uh, you know, essentially just loving to play tennis, loving to play squash as well, just racket sports in general, really any sport. Um, and I think uh, what's interesting is that when I started playing tournaments was was pretty much around the same time that Todd started playing tournaments. Um, we're only we're only three months uh, uh, different in age, so okay. Okay. so we've been we've been going at it with each other for you know, I don't know, since Forever. we were eight years old in the <laughs> U11s. Um, okay. But no, you, you know, you mentioned Chris Gordon and, and uh, you know, Todd and I grew up in an era where we got to watch those guys in the U17s and the U19s when we were younger. And, uh, you know, people like Chris Gordon and uh, Julian Ellingworth. And, and those are the kind of guys that we looked up to. And it was really fun, um, you know, to, to have those guys as role models to, uh, to watch them. And then, you know, again, to, to further that, um, you know, they ended up going pro at a time when we were coming through juniors and, and made that something that we could, you know, envision for ourselves. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it was really, I think right around that time too, Chris and Julian, they both started to make, uh, I think for the first time, maybe uh, amongst American born uh, players to make inroads inside the, you know, the top players in the world to make, to make inroads at the top uh, level of the game. And now, uh, uh, they laid the groundwork, I guess, for for the likes of you and Todd, didn't they? Definitely, definitely. Now, uh, your first, uh, I guess, your first coach, which I found, which I found uh, inter- your first serious coach, anyways, was uh, was Rodney Isles, and um, he's a guy. You know, I, I watched him play a little bit against uh, back in the day, but like he he played a few matches just before he retired against Jonathan Power. And uh, he he had beaten him a couple times, and I was really impressed. I mean, he's hard nosed, but he also had this really great uh, 
sort of attacking game, which I really I thought was cool. Uh, and what uh, I guess what was it like to have him as your coach early on? Because my impression of him was that you know hard nosed, great attacking player, and didn't really he he seemed like a bit of a bit of a tough guy uh, out there on the court at times. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was um, it was it was an interesting experience. Um, you know, it, it's it's almost like it's funny because it happened to me, but I was also still growing up. You know, I was in my formative years, and you know, as a how old were you? I think we, I think we, we were getting uh, lessons when you when you were working with uh, with Rodney. How old would you have been, Rodney? Probably around nine, okay. nine, <laughs> nine, ten years old. So yeah, yeah. we worked together for about three or four years, and it was great. I mean. I obviously had no former experience with someone of that level. Um, and he was very intense. Um, you know, and he expected, was he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he expected a lot of me and, and, um, you know, I, uh, I think that that, you know, helped me, um, develop this, you know, feeling of, uh, wow, this, this takes a lot of effort. This is not a, yeah. a joke of a game. And, um, you know, again, I, so I had him as a role model and then he very quickly, um, was able to transition me uh, just just given his schedule into working with Rod Martin, equally hard nosed, <laughs> equally yeah, yeah. intense, um, yeah. and and if not if anything uh, even more attacking um, in his game style than yeah. than Ilesy. So um, you know, yeah, I mean, look, I was I was lucky to have those coaches, um, and I still am coached by Rod Martin, but um, at right. an early age, at, in the formative years, too understand the game and and uh you know instill in me kind of what what it would take to go to the next level and you know it's just uh yeah it was lucky lucky to have that absolutely and you just mentioned that that then you uh, you started working with with rodney martin and uh, i noticed on your instagram uh, feed there you, you had a couple of pretty cool uh cool quotes as to what it might be like uh, to work with him. Uh, of course, of course, one of the great attacking, one of the great players ever, uh, actually. But you mentioned uh, all your pain and success. Uh, he, you attribute to him all your pain and success um, on the squash court. And, <laughs> and also, uh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, uh, so no, what, what, know, did, what did you mean by, uh, by that? Obviously, uh, it's self-explanatory, but maybe you can uh, <laughs> uh, elaborate. Certainly. Yeah, you know, over the years, the guy just continues to innovate on things that uh, will make drills more and more painful <laughs> to try to toughen, toughen you up for the game. So that's where I give him, you know, all credit for, for pain. But, um, no, I think he's 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 one of those coaches that he doesn't take people on unless you're willing to, uh, you know, work hard for him because he's he's going to give you – you know, pretty much everything he has to make you a better player. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, oh, I can turn you into this. I can turn you into that. It's pretty much just, look, we're going to work hard. We're going to figure out the best way to move your game forward. And you're going to be the best player that you can possibly be. And yeah. there's no, there's no, you know, kind of, you know, meeting expectations or not. It's more like, look, you're going to show up every day and you're going to put in the work. Um, and then you have to go out and show that on tour. And that's, that's kind of, you know, it's just the no, no BS route that, um, you know, I attribute to. Is this sort again, of a Miles uh, 2.0? Uh, definitely, definitely. I think he just, Rod Martin just takes it to a, <laughs> another level. Okay. Um, you know, only because, you know, I think at that time, 
Rod Martin had already transitioned very much into being a coach. He, his career was definitely done, whereas Islesy was still coming off the tour and, you know, starting to form his own, um, you know, style of coaching. Whereas, you know, from day one, Rod was like, this is what we do. This is what I expect of you. If, if you don't want to be here, that's totally okay. You know, go, go, go do other things. But if you're going to be here, this is what we're going to do. And I always appreciated that because that just made everything black and white for me. And there were days, there were days as a junior where he would say, you don't really want to be here, do you? And I would say, no, I don't. And he'd be like, all right, well, let's, let's have a chat and send you on your way. You know, and I, <laughs> and I appreciated that. And I think that's, that's the kind of level of like understanding that he has as a coach to get a player to continue to develop even during difficult times, not just to, you know, not just the painful moments, but also to, you know, be there as, as a supportive person. Absolutely. Yeah. You need someone like that, uh, not only to be there as you're, you know, on, on the technical side of things, but just to, as a sounding board in terms of how you're feeling and, and definitely that's going to help you evolve, uh, as a person. And then as, as a player, I would imagine. Definitely. Yeah. He just, he just, you know, uh, for me, he's, he's been able to find the balance of knowing that he, can push me and push me and push me. And then if there's something that like, is like, okay, we need to back this off. We need a break. Um, he's very good at sensing that, um, and getting honestly the most out of me in, in, in work sessions and knowing that some days, some days, yeah, like, you know, um, you know, you need a little kick and you know, then I'll, I'll I can get going. And some days it's like, I, you, you're a step slower. You need to, you need to take the day off. So, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, it's, it's an eye that I think he's developed and is very unique. So, I mean, it's one of the things that I've attributed to my, my, uh, limited success. <laughs> well, yeah, you're doing pretty well. I mean, uh, now I think, um, uh, you've got coaches like Malcolm Wilstrip, you've got Rob Owen, you've got Hadrian Stiff, a bunch of the, you know, the squash skills guys as well. You see a lot, a lot of them, you see what they're doing, you hear about what they're doing more so than maybe Rodney, who has maybe a bit, obviously a bigger name as a player. So mm -hmm. for those uh, out there who know Rodney as a player, but don't know him as a coach, uh, how has he, like, what, what, what are his attributes uh, in terms of, you know, the technical sides of thing and things, and how, uh, what parts of the game does he work on with you that you've seen really uh, evolve over, over the years that you've been working with him? Yeah, I think he's always had, um, you know, in terms of the technique he, he teaches, you know, very compact swing, mm -hmm. um, you know, using good preparation as, as a means of, of deception versus, you know, using wrist and holding and stuff like that. I think he's a little more subtle on that end and, and, and wants to see that structured compact swing happen more, you know, uh, you know, a good percentage of the time before you start doing any kind of trickery. Right. Um, you know, so it is very old school um, compared to, I guess, you know, a lot of the players that you're seeing today with, you know, how, how strong they are, how much they can flick, hold, you know, move the ball to the front, um, you know, especially the Egyptian players. Um, but for someone like me, um, you know, having that structure, um, it just, it just has made, you know, my game, I think it suits my game. Um, it might not suit other people. Um, but I think he's always going to stick with that classical, um, 
structure to the to the swing with the you know compact backhand and not using a lot of wrist. So that's that's kind of where I where uh, where his technique is uh, based in. Well, I think you see. I mean, you look at the game now. There, there's a there's a like a fine mix of uh, you know the top players. Anyways, you've got guys with uh, a lot of structure. I, I would say, mm-hmm. and then you've got guys who uh, you know like to flick the ball around, and you don't really know uh, what they're going to do with it. But but I think that there's a fine mix. So it's probably uh, you know you're not you're not far off uh, either way you go. I, I think definitely, definitely. And I mean, he he's Rod is Rod obviously continues to 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 watch you know the other players and and think about ways that we can incorporate new things into our, our game that are additive and mix well you know like so deception but not like not like flicking it around it's more like can you can you add in a subtle hold to make your regular shots look you know a little little uh little harder to read small things like that that i think that he's always trying to innovate on without changing the core technique um as at least uh, you know worked for for myself um and you know some of his other players yeah absolutely now he uh he and his brother were well were were very well known for for deception and and putting the ball away as well so there there's no shortage of uh of uh knowledge and technique there when it comes from uh in terms of what they're they can offer in their coaching definitely yeah definitely now, uh, another thing you mentioned about Rodney as well, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. You said uh, 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 there are some days where he'll say, uh, "You don't need a racket today." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, what? What uh, can you give us some sort of when when he says that? Uh, uh, how do you feel, and what does it mean? You know, I used to dread that, and that actually happened more as a junior because I think I think self motivation. You know, when when you're coming through uh juniors and you're in middle school and high school and you got all this stuff going on right you're growing up i think self-motivation is is not in the highest quantity um and if if he if he says it these days i i usually i'm like all right this is a session that'll make you stronger and someone else out there wouldn't be able to do it or, or whatever it is to make myself feel pumped up but definitely at the time when he used to do this as a junior i i was probably on the verge of tears (laughs) Um, but that, uh, that, that probably would have caused him to add extra sets to the end if I cried. But, uh, you know, again, I always, I always would make it through and I'd be like, you know, at the end I'd be like, you know, I, I made it. I'm, I'm, I'm still here. So, uh, you know, I always appreciated that he did stuff like that and he didn't, he didn't just, you know, focus us through things. Um, you know, he, he definitely, he definitely got some, some very sick pleasure out of of uh seeing my expression when that would happen but that's that's all right <laughs> right yeah now what like uh, what would be uh, the sort of a worst case scenario in that in that uh, regard for you i think i think worst case was always doing uh sets of, sets of 20 court sprints uh, i don't know why for whatever reason like the 20 mark was always difficult for me in terms of getting getting it in in a in a reasonable time and then also doing it set after set yeah, how um, much time would you between sets like a, a minute or yeah i mean it would it, it would be a minute to start and then all of a sudden that would you know evaporate down to 30 seconds rest and i you know again was like i really you know no and if you don't finish this one in under 55 you know or 50 seconds whatever it was like you're doing another and then you know, it's just, uh, you know, just the mind games while, while you're in the session 
yeah. it just continues to get worse until it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, those, are, but, uh, but, but they're, they're useful, aren't they? Because when you get out on court and feel that suspension in your legs, uh, that it's still there at the end of, uh, you know, the fourth or at the beginning of the fifth game, then you're saying, yeah, I can do it. Of course, this. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I, I personally, I think I, you know, have a lot to keep working on. Well, of course, given my ranking, but a lot to keep working on in my game. But like, I, I'm very happy with um, how Rod has instilled in me, like understanding during my fitness sessions, if I'm really pushing or not. Right. Um, we've spent a lot of time in the gym together on the machines and, you know, on the track and just saying like, this is thinking you're pushing and this is actually pushing yourself um yeah. and and so he was like what's, we need the to get to the what's the difference there i think the difference is and it's in the numbers it's saying like okay is your heart rate every set at 165 because that you know you're still sweating a lot and you look like you're tired yeah uh, by the end or is your heart rate consistently in the 180s and you have to bring it back down during the rest to 160 and then go straight back at it again. And how long yeah. can you maintain that? I mean, that that is as hard mentally as it is physically. Absolutely. And to be able to do that without someone watching you is probably one of the hardest aspects of professional sports. And especially in squash, right? Because most people are, are in charge of their own uh, routine and training. Um, there's, no, there's no constant person there, even if you have a coach telling you how hard to work. Um, and I think that Rod is, has uh, always tried to to push me in that way to get get me to do that myself, um, which I feel like I've gotten much better at um, in, in knowing when I'm really, really pushing it or am I, am I not? And if I'm not, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's signaling that that day, like, look, you really shouldn't be pushing it because your body's not responding to this. Right. So, yeah. Um, so that's, you know, again, been one of the best parts about working with Rod. One of the most, uh, you know, brutal parts, but but definitely. But so definitely so you had learning. one of those days yeah, recently? Uh, no racket day? Uh, thankfully, <laughs> uh, Rod, Rod, Rod goes home uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the junior season in okay. March. So I've been I've been, uh, you know, my You've own flying my solo. Own. Yeah, I'm my own worst nightmare at the moment. So, you know, just saying, okay, Chris, come on. Like, what would Rod be yelling at you right now if he was here? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, but I, you know, it's funny is like, I love squash, but I, I honestly, I love fitness in general. So yeah. well, I enjoy going to the gym. And, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes Rod is like, you, you seem to like training more than you like actually playing tournaments. And I'm like, I mean, I, I do love training. It's fun. So, you know, there's no pressure. <laughs> right. Uh, well, do, you think, do, you, do you think that's because you know that maybe that's where you're going to get the benefit, most benefit out of, out of uh, maybe improvement in your squash game is if you put more time into uh, sort of a no racket days, if you will? You know, I think I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it's, I think it's a comfort thing um, that I, I'm not saying I'm the fittest guy on tour, but um, I've, I've found a lot of success in, in working myself very hard fitness wise. And I think, I think, um, you know, for, for the last little bit of this season and into the off season, um, I'm going to be spending a lot more time, you know, making, making the ball machine, my best friend, um, yeah. and, and just working on grooving my shots a lot more because, um, you know, while I, while I feel like I am fit and I use my fitness, I mean, 
everybody who's fit will get tired if they play the game the wrong way and if they hit the wrong shots. So I think, right. I think I need to go back to, you know, spending a lot of time hitting balls. Um, yeah. Obviously need to keep my fitness up, but I need to be able to use my fitness the right way um, and play the right shots. So, yeah, I guess if you're, uh, what you're saying is if you're relying on your fitness, you're going to run into a better players who are going to just make you run <laughs> the whole time. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much what happened to me in college. And, um, you know, I still played it at, at a really high level, but I focused on being the fittest guy on court and, and nobody could beat me at Dartmouth. And then I would play one of the top five guys, you know, I, I, I played Alley, um, you know, I played Ramit and they would just move me everywhere. And I'd be like, well, eventually I'm going to run out of steam here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of my first, you know, eye opening, you know, obviously fitness is important, but this game is, you know, obviously so, so intricate that, you know, you got to play it the right way. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Dartmouth. You had a decorated uh, collegiate career, uh, All-American, the Skillman Award winner, which is like the highest honor I think you can uh, achieve in terms of squash at the collegiate level. Level, You maybe won it twice, I think. And, uh, uh, so I, I won it once, but uh, I was very happy to, uh, to co-win it with Todd. So, right, that's yeah, right. We're... Yeah. we're uh, we're we're never far apart from each other. <laughs> and you credit uh, you credit John Power Senior for giving you the opportunity. You you said to to play at Dartmouth when perhaps uh, he might have overlooked you or may may have thought otherwise. So uh, I guess at that time you might might have thought you weren't fit enough or ready uh, for the uh, the responsibility. I guess of leading the team. So what what were those years like? I guess. Uh, with John Power Sr. in in the early days at Dartmouth, and how did that uh, affect you uh, going forward? Yes, I was um, uh, lucky to to meet and know John since uh, I was probably about 10 or 11 years old because he would put on the Fall Foliage Junior Tournament every October. um, And so I would be up in Hanover... um, every October playing that tournament it was one of my favorite tournaments. I won it a couple of times. And so I got to know John while I was there and, um, you know, always really liked him. And then when I started my, my, uh, college, uh, college recruiting tour, um, I honestly didn't know a lot about the, the whole process and was very, very green to it. So, you know, John was great and walked me through everything and, and kind of my options and, um, at the time, um, I was going through one of those periods when, um, you know, I wasn't the hottest on, <laughs> on squash, um, because I, you know, I, I had great friends in high school and, and, uh, you know, I really, I really enjoyed taking a break from squash in the spring and the summer. Um, this was also back before, you know, there were junior tournaments, you know, year round you know when, when it when it when the springtime hit it was rackets down and rackets down yeah, play that, that's what it was like for me play. right there was there was yeah, an off season <laughs> and i loved it so yeah. but it just so happened that my like overnight recruiting trip you know came in like you know may when i hadn't played for six weeks um and i played i played two games with the uh with the now head coach uh was assistant coach hansi veens right. um who I, I had no idea who world this guy class. was. I thought, yeah, world-class. And I had no idea. My squash knowledge was just poor. And I was like, all right, I guess I could get on and have a couple couple points with this guy. He beat me nine love, nine love. 
Okay. And <laughs> and I and I had no idea who he was. So, so I was you like, were there wow. scratching your head after that. It's like um. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I, I I must be pretty bad. And and I looked back out at John, and John's still smiling. And I was like, all right, well, I guess he's still smiling. And uh, you know, he he had a conversation with with Anzi after, and Anzi was like, are you sure that's like the guy who's ranked number two in the U.S. is that really him? Just <laughs> because I was so out of shape at that point, and honestly, that summer, um, uh, John was still like, you know what? No, we got to give this guy a chance. Um, I've seen him play for years now. Um, he's a good, good kid, and uh, you know, Dartmouth would be better for that. And I, and I think I took that to heart, and I didn't really look at too many other schools, um, and decided that this that Dartmouth was where I wanted to be. And that summer. Um, you know, essentially with Rod Martin was like, look, I got to turn this around. You know, I'm, I'm out of shape. I'm overweight and I want to, I want to play number one when I get to Dartmouth and I want it to always be that way. And that's what I did. Yeah. There's, I think I, I, I saw a picture of you there uh, on your, I think it was on Instagram earlier. <laughs> There's a picture of the Goonies poster in the back. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, was that the, uh, I think that might've been right around the, the recruiting time. You look, you looked like you had, uh, maybe a little bit overweight. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, but uh. yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly used to enjoy the off season when yeah. I was uh, when I was a junior. But well, um, yeah, it was a given back. I mean, back in the mid '80s, late '80s for me, anyway. So there was definitely that point, and, and uh, you know, you tended to uh, enjoy those times. Uh, and then, then you took the first few weeks of the, the new season to get back into shape. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, speaking of, speaking of rackets down, you know, every, every summer when Rod Martin would get back, it was straight to the, straight to the hills, straight to the, there to you the go. track. And I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so by September, I was definitely feeling a little better. But, um, you know, was always was always working an uphill battle when he came back. But you know, look, I think I think that's what honestly kept me like loving the squash season because I would um, I would have not played for you know a couple months honestly, and I would I would have enjoyed my time with my friends and not traveling for tournaments. And you know, I played baseball and lacrosse, and I absolutely loved it because it was so different from squash. Yeah. And then by the time Rob got back, I'd be like, yeah, I'm out of shape, but I'm, I'm so excited for another well, season. would have kept you in relatively uh, good shape. Yeah, no, and we did, we actually did a lot of lifting. So I got a lot stronger, um, you know, in the off season, which, um, you know, helped my, helped my leg strength for squash, but I would just put on like a good amount of weight, um, which would come off, you know, as soon as we started doing some, some running, but, you know, just having that break from squash just just completely refreshed things for me and yeah um you know i think that's a it's an integral part of uh you know improving your game you know, you sometimes you just gotta that, take a little time uh, off, during the you know? uh, at any point during the season do you take uh, you know step yeah. away for a few weeks obviously just to recharge the battery maybe yeah no definitely um uh you know the, the with the psa season it's like a bit different you got to pick and choose the times when you feel you can do that without losing too much yeah. Um, this summer is obviously difficult because we have Pan Am games at the end of July. So it's almost like, where do you squeeze in a vacation um, or a break? Um, so I actually, I went down to the Bahamas for five days after nationals, um, uh, you know, 
cried a lit in the ocean because I came in second, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. I, I, I was looking forward to that. And I, I know, again, I enjoyed nationals, but um, I had five days pretty much in the sun, didn't think about squash. And even just that five days, I came back and my first two or three sessions, I was like, yeah, like, I don't, I feel a bit winded, but like my legs just feel like, wow, like I'm, I'm ready to, to yeah. push myself again. Um, you know, even just small breaks like that, if you can almost completely detox, um, you know, it's, it, I think it's hard for players and, and I haven't gotten this down, uh, right. Well, but like the, the, there's this massive anxiety when you're not training that you're, that you're, that you're going straight backwards or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I've tried to take, yeah, some, it's an addiction, uh, isn't it? I, I mean, uh, uh, totally. Yeah, I, I didn't like today. Rather than uh, usually, I, I try to get out and you know, for me, I always try to get out and, and get to the gym and do a bit of training every day. But I, I decided not to today, and I went and played golf. And then halfway through the golf, uh, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, what, why, why did I do this? You know? No, hundred, hundred percent. It's it's very, very difficult. So I try to time it where, like, if I'm gonna go. Um, you know, go on a break from squash, I'm literally going to let myself enjoy it completely. I mean, I don't go, I don't go wild on, you know, food or partying or anything like that. I just, You're not I at just the shooter bar the whole time? No, you know, I might be down at the, at the blackjack table or something, but, <laughs> but other than that, I, uh, I, I just try to enjoy like some, either some sunshine or just, you know, time with friends that I don't, that I don't usually don't get. Yeah. Um, and uh just 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 really like engage in something completely different um you know i got some advice from from one of my friends uh my friend john who played uh played baseball for the white Sox and the mets um he said one one month out of every year he just shut everything down completely um and while it's 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 difficult because the psa season um is is very isn't as structured as a baseball season. I took that to heart because he said it kept him from getting injured and burnt out. Um, and, and if I could do some things like that every now and then, it would just it would it would allow my body the time to uh, heal itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess stepping away from it too. I mean, when you come back, you're you're probably much you, know, you take take it a bit more seriously, and you're more sort of enthused by the whole thing than you would be, would have been if you'd been continuously uh training and playing yeah definitely and you, I, you know this is an intense game and it's not it's not just intense physically it's uh intense mentally and emotionally you put a lot, lot into it so i think sometimes you need to let yourself uh step away and relax and then you come to it with uh with a fresh perspective and, and fresh legs yeah for sure the fresh legs is important especially uh for all of you know the club players or the older guys out there listening as well listen to your body right yeah definitely now definitely. Uh, let's take a look i'd like to talk to you a bit about your 2018 and 2019 campaign i mean for you you, you probably agree 2018 was was uh was awesome um mm -hmm. you, had, you had some great results you you actually won two tournaments in a row i think and then a, a third a little bit later on it was the um mm -hmm. uh Right, the Vogue Cat, the Vogue Octical, the CAC. You won those in in succession, and then the Securian yep. Open uh, a few months later, and you hardly dropped a game in doing so. And yep. then the, the Motor City Open, you got Campbell Grayson, who's ranked uh, you know, twenty spots higher than you, and then uh, almost took out former world number three Omar Massad uh, mm -hmm. in a five game 
a match that went right down to the wire. So 2018, yeah. obviously a great, great year for you. Um, what was it about 2018 and particularly that period there that uh, brought that really good squash out? Yeah, so we can go back, um, I want to say, go back to maybe 27, 20, uh, sorry, 2017 um, Christmas time. We put in like a massive fitness block. Oh. Um, and like, like I pushed myself to, to uh, a maximum uh, in that period of time and really felt that I came out the other end feeling very strong and fit um uh going into nationals 2018 obviously was was very happy to repeat there um and then after that i actually in 2018 yeah yeah yeah. um so i was really happy about that um funnily enough after that i felt like i felt like what i had done during that season to push myself i could i could almost maintain over the next couple of weeks by doing some off court, um, off court fitness sessions that were non impact and would, would, would keep me fit, but would let me let, let my body really, you know, especially my joints and everything from the pounding. So what's my a non impact fitness session? You mean sort of, uh, so I'm, I'm the, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest proponent of the elliptical. I uh, yeah. love the elliptical. I think it's the funniest machine in terms of how I look on it, but I, I <laughs> swear by it because, you know, I've done, I've done a, a good amount um, of running and, and other things. And I've always found that the elliptical, um, for me, I can, I can push my heart rate up, up to the one eighties, one nineties, um, you know, max it out and also get off and feel like I didn't just, you know, wreck my hips or wreck my knees. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of using that. And that's honestly what I'm pretty much doing right now. Um, you know, just because, uh, it's that time of the season where now I've been playing squash, you know, continuously since last August. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to catch up, starting to hurt anyway. Um, so last, last, last year I was doing something similar and just felt that I was able to keep my fitness and my squash where I wanted it to be, but I allowed my body to recover from, you know, the pounding of the season. And honestly, it allowed me to play uh, some of my best squash, um, last April and May, which I was really happy about. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, I mean, you went through a few tournaments there, uh, uh, where you didn't drop a game and then then the the motor city open uh, comes along and you almost took out uh, omar Massad after beating campbell grayson so that that to me that tells me that you're you've got the ability to compete at that next level meanwhile you know you get a few events where you you lose to guys that are below you in the ranking so when, when you see this kind of thing happen right uh what goes through your mind? Because obviously you know you've got what it takes to, to beat a guy mm-hmm. like Omar Massad. Meanwhile, you're, you, sometimes you maybe you get into a, a bad patch. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you know, it was an interesting year, and, I, and I've looked at a bunch of different things, um, a couple of the not great losses I've had. Some of them, some of them I couldn't do anything about, um, and I've had to just let that go. Um, right before I went to the tournament in Saskatoon in November, I was in a car accident oh. and, and I, I was in a really bad car accident three years ago. 
um, that almost that almost ended my squash career. So, okay. so I was in another car accident on the way to the tournament, and I was okay, but I had pretty bad whiplash that brought back a lot of the concussion symptoms that I had um, okay. from three years ago. Hmm. And you know, not as not as in, I don't want to use this as an excuse, but I'm in the tournament. I'm trying to push through it, and it's just it's just not. I just can't do it. Right. Right. I get home. I see my doctors two weeks, right. Recovery. I go to St. Paul and I don't drop a game. (laughs) So, so I was, I I felt a little, you know, you know, again, things happen for for a reason and and you just got to keep pushing on, but some things were unavoidable. Now, the one thing I will tell you that is, that is, I think, I think every player will, will, um, you know, this will resonate with, uh, is playing playing guys ranked below you is always harder than playing guys ranked higher than you. Yeah, uh, and that's something that I've tried to put myself in that situation. And I've had patches where I've done it really well. Like you said, I, I didn't drop a game in St. Paul. And sometimes where I let the nerves and the, the you know, uh, intensity of the moment get to me and I, I've dropped the ball. Um, yeah. You know, I lost to I lost to Andrew Schnell in five in in um, in Nash Cup at, at the start of the the or at the start of the fall season, and I just said, "Look, like this kind of thing can't happen." Um, so you need to make sure when you go to these tournaments that you are you are going to pretend like you are the lowest ranked player, and you are going to work to get every match. And I was able to get you know a little bit of revenge and beat him three love in St. Paul. Um, you know, and, and show that like, you know, I have been working this hard. This is how good I am. Um, right. so but as I was saying to you at the start, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, sorry. I, I mean, that's okay. That, that's a good point. You, what do you think is the difference between sort of, I know it's exactly what you mean. I mean, I mean, even at my, my level now, if I play a guy that's not as good as me, sometimes I, I think I put these maybe expectations on, on myself. And then if the game gets close, I start to kind of uh, maybe panic a little bit. That's uh, just just <laughs> unfortunately a big part of the game. Yeah, yeah. And I I just think you know it's it, it's so interesting to me how you know I don't want to say it's not meaningful, but even in practice matches, how you can you can almost simulate this nervousness for a match that doesn't matter <laughs> yeah, yeah. and be able to lose to somebody lower than you. And I think I think the nice part about the fact that that's true is that then you can practice those situations and say, okay, I have to get better at this. You know, yeah. if I'm at 6-all, 7-all, 8-all with a guy who's ranked lower than me in practice, I will do everything to win the next three or four points. Everything. Yeah. You know, or what what is it that I am doing in practice is hurting me in games when we get to this position. Do I go for that shot that I literally never go for? You know, um, I think being able to identify the things you do under pressure and be able to change them or stick with what the game plan is, is so hard. Mm. But if you want to get to that next level, um, be more consistent. Um, that's what you got to do. Now, is it, uh, is it possible to even... Uh, maybe think just go just go on to the court regardless uh, uh, of who you're playing and try to just play the same high level squash that you should play you you have to play all the time obviously you play against a, a better player you got to raise your game but 
at the same time, why not just go on to the court? I'm just thinking that go on to the court yeah. and play, uh, play the same, play as hard as you can every time you play, regardless of who, who it is you're playing. Yeah, you know, it's 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 different Easier every said time, than done, right? Oh, definitely. But <laughs> I mean, I think if you can establish that as as a, a more consistent theme to your game, um, that will lessen the effect, um, you know, of the underdog for the other guy who's going, hey, you know, I got nothing to lose. Maybe today's my day, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you can if you can go out there and say, okay, this guy I'm playing in the first round, I don't, I don't, doesn't matter who he is. This is going to be a brutal match. I'm going to impose myself on this match and make him feel like, okay, this is just a, you know, a good experience playing a higher ranked guy. I don't have a chance. Like That's the kind of thing that if you can start to do that more often, guys start to feel like you are not beatable on the day, right? Mm-hmm. Where some guys, and, and I include myself in that, you know, at some of these events that I've had this year, some guys are like, I got nothing to lose. I'm playing Hanson and he's ranked, you know, whatever, and he's seated, whatever. So maybe today's my day. You know? um, and I think there's, there's some great examples of the guys in the top, top 10 and top 20 who just don't let that happen. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the difference, isn't it? I mean, those guys, you rare, I mean, rarely do they lose to, you see it happen every now and then, but it's a rarity. You normally the, uh, they're they're taking the guys out as quickly uh, as they can, aren't they? Yeah, and 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 with an intensity that I think uh, is very impressive. Um, yeah. You know, especially in these last few rounds in in Alguna, some of the top seeds um, taking out the guys below them, and then you look at the language that they post, uh, you know, to their social media. Oh, I you know, great experience playing so and so, and blah blah blah, and, and and obviously that's all well and good. And these are still very, very good players, but you can just see how they're talking about it in a way where it's almost like it was a non, it was a non, non thing. Like, yeah. you know, like this guy just absolutely took me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you've experienced it for, against Omar who played well in, in El, El Guna, uh, just, he just mm-hmm. lost yesterday, I think. But uh, I mean, you, you were very close to beating him. Uh, so, so you, you were right there. How, how did that feel and how, uh, what did you take out of that match going forward? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where, um, you know, I got some, some confidence that, um, you know, I can hang, hang with a guy like that and put him under pressure and, and make him nervous and make him have to play, you know, good squash to beat me and do, do things to beat me that he can't just, you know, rock up and just, uh, you know, yeah. take me out, which I guess have, having was good to know. Campbell Grayson before that certainly helped you as well going into that match. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even, it's one of those things, I, I went to that tournament and I just was like, I'm playing Campbell. I got in, I got into the tournament last minute because my, my friend Abdullah Al-Tamimi unfortunately had to pull out, so I ended up right. getting in. So from the start, I was like, it's, you know, cool that I'm even here. Um, and then, uh, just playing Campbell, I just, I honestly, I just knew his game and, you know, he knows mine, but I just said, if I do like a couple of things, well, like, I don't, I think I'm going to win this match. Like, um, which was, which is another thing I would, I would, you know, recommend to anybody out there is to like focus on, 
the process of what you're trying to do during the match as opposed to the match itself. If you focus on like the three things that, that are most important to your game in that match, it actually does take a lot of the nerves away. Mm. Um, if Playing you're to consistently your trying to yeah, yeah. Or just saying, you know, okay, Campbell strong on X shot. So I, the, the ball is just not going there today and I can focus on that. Right. Um, I think that, and that's that's one of the one of the I think uh, best ways to take away some of your nerves. Um, you know, say okay, well, you know, as soon as you know ball lands here, um, I'm putting it here because I know that's a shot that affects him. Um, you know, in a way that's positive for 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 me. So um, that's kind of just what I was thinking when I played him, and then playing Omar, I had played him ten days before in TOC, so. Right, had already a good look at what he was going to do, and that was and I mean, all, all game, the games so. in that match were close as well. Yeah, definitely had game balls in in the in the second or the third or or whatever it was, and was up in a few in uh, at a few times. But um, you know, playing him on a non glass court in Motor City, um, I was able to just do a bit more, and and he wasn't quite as effective, but he was still able to get it done against me. So credit to right. him again because you know even even on a day when he could have been like, it's just not my day. It's not a big deal. If I lose, he still didn't lose. <laughs> no, no, exactly. He, he, uh, no, when, so. when, when it came, uh, when push came to shove at the end, he, uh, he stepped it up, I guess. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, still a great result for you. Uh, there. Yeah. I think that that was interesting. Uh, what you said about, uh, sticking to the process. I mean, if you go out on the court and just let the, the game sort of evolve in its own way, then it becomes unpredictable and maybe the panic uh, uh, element uh, sets in. in Definitely. And I think, I, I think, I think having those processes, processes will allow you to ride the waves of the match, right? Cause it's so emotional. And if you can, if you can try to focus on the non-emotional part of it, um, you know, you can, you can ride, you can get through the part where the other guy is having, you know, great luck or great momentum and everything's going in. Okay. But I'm still going to keep pressing this because I know, I know he's either going to break or I'm going to have a breakthrough. Um, you know, I, I think that's the best way to approach it and something I need to continue to do myself. Yeah. Well, the good luck with that, Chris, going forward. Uh, yeah. No, no. Uh, just a couple of things. You've been, you've been really great with your time. I just want to ask you, uh, me being Canadian, obviously, uh, partial to the Canadian uh, team at the Pan Am Games. But over the years, and I, I mentioned to this whenever I have uh, Canadian or American uh, uh, guests on the podcast, uh, back when I was young and even before that, the Canadians sort of dominated that border skirmish back in the, the JP days before that, Gary Waite and, and a little bit after that. But now uh, it's changed. Uh, it seems like uh, the U.S. Have, on men, the men's and women's side uh, are – uh, just a little bit ahead in terms of you know the, the rank in the world rankings and things like that, uh, but as you mentioned earlier, Canada won the last one. So, uh, how are you guys uh, feeling heading into the Pan Am Games, and uh, uh, what about this uh, potential uh, of playing Canada uh, in the final? Although it's going to be tough uh, with Peru, Colombia, all, all the great teams. Yeah, Mexico. Mexico you know. um, yeah. 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 We're. Um I'm feeling great. I'm very excited because 2015 was my first experience and I was a little, I was a little, you know, uh, wet behind the ears. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was also like, wow, this is an incredible event. And, you know, it's in yeah. Toronto. It's on, it's on Canadian home soil. Well, it's, a, um, it's an Olympic. It's our Olympics, uh, the Commonwealth Games and the Pan Am Games. We don't have the Olympics. So this is what we, we have, isn't it? Totally. Totally. And, you know, the, the, you know my Canadian friends told me, you know, uh, you know again, how awesome the, the Commonwealth Games are. And, and, uh, and I really hadn't, I didn't know what I had been missing out on because I, I, I think I inadvertently somehow missed the team in 2011. I, I did a tryout for the, for the, um, <laughs> I did a tryout for the reserve spot that wasn't going. <laughs> I was okay. up to love, lost in five, yeah. and was like, oh, okay, who cares? Whatever. I went back to Dartmouth, uh, you know, um, and then found out later that like two guys got injured and didn't go, so I would have gone. So I was like, ah, oh, all right, well, I didn't miss anything, right? And then when I got there in 2015 to Toronto, I was like, cannot believe I missed this. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think that was such a fun experience the first time. And now I have four, four more years kind of under my belt. Um, and I, I look, I still have to make the team. I'm in a great position um, as the second highest ranked American um, and number one uh, seed going into this uh, qualifying event. Um, but I think what, what, what excites me and, and keeps me working hard is that this is the first time that we have a full field of this qualification event where we have lots of good players who really want it. Um, Three years ago, or sorry, four years ago, I beat Julian Illingworth in the three, four playoff of nationals. And that kind of just cemented um, my spot on the team. And that was kind of it because no one else really was coming through and wanted to play it. Um, So while it was nice to just get on the team and not have to worry about it, I think why this is so exciting this year is that, we have so many, you know, awesome young players coming through that want this, that want to beat me, uh, and that want to be on the team. Yourself, obviously, Todd Harity, uh, and then you've got the, an old, the old boy, uh, Chris Gordon. He's probably, I know he's going to uh, want to, uh, to take part. And uh, you've got a few other uh, younger guys, don't you, coming through? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Chris, Chris, is, uh, Chris is, on hopefully, on the other side. <laughs> of the uh, qualification event draw and then Andrew Douglas, um, Cole Becker, who's a, a, a Princeton uh, student at the moment. Um, and a couple other guys that, um, um, you know, really want to be on that team. And, uh, and, you know, so Pan Am's is, is only three players. There's no reserve. So it just makes it that much more, uh, more uh, tense uh, to, to make the team. <laughs> yeah. And the women's, I mean, uh, Women, the women's side, in terms of the border skirmish, which I've, I'm, you know, as you can tell, I'm promoting. Uh, the women's side uh, seem between Canada and the U.S. seems to be rather, uh, rather close these days. The Canadians, Holly Naughton and Danielle Letourneau, Sam Cornette, all playing a really high-level squash, and then you have uh, uh, obviously Amanda and her sister, and then Olivia. Uh, that really bodes well in terms of a uh, potential. Uh, border skirmish uh, in the final as well oh definitely no it's nice nice to see how well the canadian girls are doing um north american girls are playing uh very high level squash right now definitely and and uh it was nice to see sam come back after she was injured and and doing well and obviously holly and, and danielle and um and nikki and um all those girls are are definitely leading the charge for team canada um you know, but being 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 American, I'm pretty excited to see some of our girls Absolutely. beyond Amanda and Olivia and Sabrina. I mean, we have 
We have Olivia Victor, Reham yeah. Sedke, uh, Marina Stefanoni is one of our youngest. But um, Olivia, they're all Olivia uh, Black, Klein Blatchford, and then another Olivia as well, isn't there? Olivia Fletcher, is that her? Uh, Victor, yeah, Victor, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So while she, like Amanda, she's well too. yeah, definitely. While Amanda and 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 uh, Olivia um, Blatchford have been staples of the team, it's just awesome to see these other girls who are who are coming up to try to you know both challenge them, but also you know play with them on the team. Yeah, well, uh, all the best with that going forward. We're looking forward to that uh, this summer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, now I did allude to or mention it earlier. You um, you proposed to your fiance in December. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So I saw the picture. It's out there. How how are things shaping up? Things things are shaping up uh, very well. Um, good thing. Uh, uh, this, this is none of this is, is based on my, uh, squash performance and having to be consistent with my results. So we're moving forward. Okay. Um, so I, so I, I, by the uh, way, your, your fiance's name is uh, Megan. Is that right? Uh, yep. yep. Yeah. So I proposed to Megan, uh, down in, in Cary, North Carolina, where her parents live and where she grew up, um, in December, which was, you know, really fun. Um, and then they were up here and, you know, families all getting together and, and everything's just happy so far. Um, the wedding is, uh, planned for May 30th, 2020. We got the band, we got the venue. <laughs> so, uh, things, things are moving forward. Just yeah, the no, she, was, yeah. she was, she was very, very, uh, understanding that, you know, we couldn't do, you know, a fall or a winter wedding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're very we're very happy and, and excited for that next well, year she, does she uh, play squash uh, at all or obviously she, she, has, she knows a bit about the game but uh. she has played exactly three times <laughs> okay uh, and all 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 with me <laughs> okay so, yeah, that's like like no, my she, wife she uh yeah she does she's seen me play several times but uh yeah i can count the number of times she played uh, on one uh, one hand so yeah, no, she, she, honestly, she loves, she loves my squash and she loves watching, um, uh, she lives in Manhattan in, in New York city. So, um, you know, access to squash there is a little, little tougher for her, but when, when she comes out here on the weekends, we play, we play a lot of, um, a lot of tennis, a lot of golf together, um, right which is fun. But, What's um, your golf game, Chris? Uh, it's pretty average. Gotta right. be honest. Um, you know, uh, iron, irons are okay, and then putting is just just abysmal. I, I mean, it's it's kind of like <laughs> well, my I think squash, all my squash players. Touch, touch the putting is uh, is an issue because we get a little bit handsy when you when you when you make contact with the ball. I, at least that's what I feel. I get a bit bit well, risky with it. Yeah, you guys. See, I mean, you'll enjoy this. Um, you know, all the squash guys that I uh, train with play play golf, and of course, you know. Ryan Cascali and Rod Martin happen to be, you know, you know, two handicap, three handicap, you know? So, so we, we can't even, we can't even get away from the intensity when we're on the, on the golf course. I'm still, you know, getting, getting jeers as I miss a, a two foot putt. So, um, you know, those are the worst ones, right? The, the, the two foot putts, uh, you know, but you know, you know, it's almost like the, the lower ranked player that, you know, you should be, and you gotta you panic over that two foot putt. Exactly, exactly. Well, the funny thing is that you know they 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 give me a a handicap because uh, you know a very generous handicap 
Right. Um, but then if I end if I end up winning, everybody's upset that my handicap is so so big. You, suddenly, <laughs> you become a bandit, right? Exactly. Rod's not happy at all about that. <laughs> well, it sounds like you know there there are handicaps in golf for a reason. So uh, there you go. Don't let them get away with it. There you go. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, you've been great uh, with your time. Really enjoyed talking to you uh, today. By the way, before we go, are you following any of the uh, the New York sports? I mean, it's a big. Uh, you got baseball now. You got the basketball. Brooklyn's in the playoffs. Uh, you got uh, the NFL draft coming up. Uh, all this stuff happening in New York. Are you? Uh, do you follow any uh, any of the teams at all, especially the Yankees or the? Yeah, man, I'm. I'm a I'm a big Yankees fan. Um, okay. Not off to the all injured best now. start, obviously. Bunch injured, yeah. yeah. Um, but probably the sport I watch most is hockey. So oh. pretty pretty brutal year for for the Rangers, but at least we got a good draft pick. I don't, I don't um, think so. Yeah, you know, I I can't say that I'm rooting for the Islanders, <laughs> but uh, yeah. no. But I I mean, me and me and my uh, me and my uh, middle school buddies, they all played hockey, and I never did, but. Um, they they all got me into hockey, so we're all watching uh, Game Seven of of uh, Maple Leafs uh, Bruins yeah. tonight, which I think will yeah. be an absolute ringer. It's so be awesome. Um, I got a funny feeling that the Leafs are going to uh, fall short again. You think? You think? I think. I think they get revenge. You think? I, think, I uh, hope so. Yeah. Be, I think. I think all my uh, Boston friends are too cocky about this, so I think yeah, they're going they, down. Yeah, they're all pretty <laughs> cocky. They they've had their uh, you know. Things have been going their way for a few years, but the Leafs fans are jaded. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, well, Chris, I just want to wish you all the best uh, going forward. Pan Am Games, congrats uh, uh, on uh, on your career up till now. It's been a good one, and uh, keep up the the positive momentum going forward. And we look forward. To, I'd love to have you back on again. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, with some more uh, success to share, or or something else. Who knows? Something mm-hmm. interesting, right? Yeah. But, um, no, I I, uh, I appreciate getting this time, and uh, this was really fun. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Really enjoyed that chat, and just want to wish uh, him all the best uh, going forward with the Pan Am Games coming up, and with the remainder of his PSA squash season. Now, uh, speaking of PSA squash, just watching uh, tonight as I record this, we'll be watching the finals of both the men's and women's at the Alguna event. And uh, on the women's side, really, really impressed with Noran Gohar. Uh, big victories over both uh, Norel Sherbini and Camille Serm. Uh, and she'll be playing uh, in form, very, very talented, Raneem El-Walili. That should be a real cracker. Norhan was sort of shot out of a cannon almost. I mean, the intensity with which she's playing with, uh, the level of accuracy of her shot she, and uh, the pace at which she's playing with is, uh, is incredible. Uh, really love watching her play. Not too sure she deserves some of the criticism that I'm reading uh, about uh, the aggressive nature of her play. I mean, that's just squash, isn't it? It's a different type of game. It's not, uh, she plays a different game, a different style. Not necessarily a style that you see uh, a lot on the women's uh, tour, one that, that's aggressive and that up-tempo and high pace. You do see it, you know, on occasion from Norel Sherbini and uh, a few others who play an up-tempo game, but hers is uh, an entirely different uh, level. And uh, when she's playing like this, not only is it great squash to watch, but she's going to uh, 
to be a force to be reckoned with at the very highest level, at the highest uh, positions of, of the game. So I'm really looking forward to that final. And then also uh, Kareem El-Gawad and uh, Abdul Gawad and uh, Ali Farag on the other side uh, in the final. It should be a good match as well. As I mentioned, I think, on Twitter earlier today, it's just uh, I think it's all contingent upon... Uh, at least in terms of the quality of the match, which Kareem shows up. If he shows up and he's uh, moving around the court with, uh, with, you know, the way that he does and, you know, just playing up and down that backhand side and going for his shots uh, and and moving as well as he as, uh, he typically can when he's playing well, then we're going to be in for a great, uh, a great final there too. So... Looking forward to those matches uh, tonight, uh, and I hope uh, all of you are enjoying your squash. And please stay tuned. We've got some great episodes uh, upcoming. Uh, thanks a lot for everyone who, who shares my, my podcast. Please share them with, uh, with your squash friends, members of your club. Uh, share it on your social media. Really appreciate that. And uh, look forward to uh, putting out a few more good ones in the, in the very near future. Really excited about what we have coming up. So uh, stay tuned for those. Thanks, everyone, again uh, for listening, and have a great day. Goodbye now.